0: grace and mercy and peace are yours from God, our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our meditation this morning is our second lesson from Romans chapter 10. Paul writes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How, then, can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. This is the word of the Lord. For some of you, this might be difficult. But I want you to try to imagine, as awful as this sounds, I want you to try to imagine what it would be like. If you did not know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Now maybe for some of you that's not so hard because you can remember a time in your life when that was the case. When you were not a believer in Jesus Christ. But but for most of us, I think we've been a believer our entire life. We've known that peace of forgiveness. We've known that, that heaven is our home. We, we we know that Jesus is with us as we go through the struggles of this life. But try to try for just a, a minute this morning to imagine what would it be like if you didn't have that. If you thought that your life was just about trying to do better the next day, trying to atone for all of your mistakes. By being a better person. Uh, Not knowing what was going to happen after you die, Not knowing. Where am I going to go? What's going to happen? Am I going to face a God? What is he going to say? Try to imagine making sense of this life. And all of the garbage that happens to you and the world around us. If you don 't know Jesus, I mean that 's a really terrifying thought isn 't it? And I don 't don't want you to dwell on that too long because that 's not the case. You know Jesus Christ, you know that peace of forgiveness, you know that He has taken away your guilt, you know that you do not have to do anything to earn god 's favor. You know that heaven is a free gift through His work for you. You know that, that even in the midst of all of the garbage of this life that Jesus is in control and he 's reigning and ruling for your good. But how awful it is even to think about that for just a minute With if that wasn't the case. Thank God that you don't have to live like that. Thank God that you don't have to go through those feelings and those emotions and those doubts and those uncertainties and those fears. And all glory be to God that you don't have to. That at some point in your life, you called on the name of the Lord so that you could be saved. So that you could know salvation and already now have the promise of salvation. But it took a lot to get to that point, didn't it? Whether you realize it or not. It's so amazing what God had to do in order for you to have the peace that you have now. And the hope that you have and the joy that you have. In Christ Jesus. It's amazing what God had to line up for that to happen. And in our lesson here from from Romans. Paul helps us understand everything that had to happen for you to come to faith. All that God had to do to to line it up so that you would come to faith. And know Jesus Christ as your Savior. He, He uses four questions. To help us understand it. Let's just walk through those questions. They start in verse 14. First, the first question he says is, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can you call on someone and place your faith in someone if you don't believe in them, right? It, it's only through saving faith. It's only through faith that you can call on God. Okay? The second question, How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can someone believe in someone if they don't know about them? If you haven't heard about it, how can you put your faith in it? Logical, right? The next question, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? If someone doesn't actually share the message, how will you ever know? If you don't have the opportunity to hear... How can you ever believe? How can you ever call on the name of the Lord and be saved? And then the final question: How can anyone preach unless they are sent? Someone must be given the charge and the duty to go and to preach, so that someone can hear, and then someone can believe, and someone can call on the name of the Lord. You see the simple cause and effect there. Someone must be sent, so that that person can preach. So that someone can hear and someone can believe and someone can call on the name of the Lord to be saved. That all happened in your life. All by God's grace. Isn't that amazing? That God made all of that work out so that you could be in faith today and be saved and have that promise of salvation through Jesus Christ. Someone, at some point in your life, heard that call by God, not not through a dream or a vision, but, but through the word, to preach the good news, to share the hope that they have, to make disciples. Someone in your life heard that call to share the gospel and they shared it with you. Maybe it was a parent or a grandparent or a pastor or a teacher or a friend, or a neighbor, or a co-worker. But God moved somebody to hear that call that I've been entrusted with the gospel, to share it with this person in my life. And they did it. And you heard it. And by God's grace, and by the work of the Holy Spirit, you believed it. And now you call on the name of the Lord. Just think about all of that. How that all works, so that you could have that hope and that peace and that joy that you have in Jesus right now. Nothing short of a miracle. Paul follows up these four questions, not with another question, but with this beautiful statement. He actually is led by the Spirit to quote the prophet Isaiah. Going all the way back into the Old Testament, he says, As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet, isn't it, of the people who brought you that goodness. How beautiful are their feet because they were moved by God to share that message of the good news of the Savior with you. You can't marvel, but marvel and, and wonder and, and just be amazed at what God has done and celebrate and praise him for the words That were spoken to you. Through the message that was brought to you. Through that good news that was shared to you. How beautiful those feet. Who brought that to you. How amazing. That God would do this for us. So that you could know. True peace. So that you could know. That you have a savior who has done everything for you. That your life is not about trying to earn God's favor, but that God's favor was already earned for you. That's good news. How beautiful are those feet that brought you that good news and took you to the cross and said, look, your sins are forgiven. It's finished. It's done. Jesus did it for you. You are no longer under the curse of sin. You are no longer bound for hell. You are no longer under the control of the devil. Look, Beautiful are the feet of those who took us to that cross. How beautiful are the feet of those who took us to the empty tomb to see that death has been defeated, that the grave is not our ultimate destination, but the gates of heaven are wide open, that life after death is what true life really is life with God forever. Friends, that's good news that you know, that you've heard. And that's all God's doing. God has completed your salvation 100%. But isn't it awesome that he used somebody in your life to bring that to you? And now, God wants to use you. To bring that message to the people of your life. God wants your feet to be beautiful. To bring good news to those who need to hear it. We have a role to play in salvation. Oh, it's not to be a good person. (laughs) It's not to earn God's favor. All of that is already done. Jesus has completed that for us, but God gives us a role. He gives us feet to go and mouths to speak. God uses us in his plan of salvation to make Jesus known to the world. A father took his, his daughter to her first professional baseball game. She loved baseball. She played on her little league team. But this is the first time she'd ever been to a professional game. Uh, and it was one of those giveaway nights. And, and, and her dad didn't tell her because he wanted it to be a surprise. But every, every kid under the age of 12 got a, got a glove when they came to the game. And so as she's walking into the gates, they handed this little girl a glove. And she got this sad look on her face. She looked up at her dad I said, Dad, I don't want to play in the game. I'm not ready for that. When it comes to professional sports, it's all about being a spectator, isn't it? We go to watch. Christianity, it's not a spectator sport. We don't sit back and watch. We've got a role to play, we have to get in the game. We have to hear the call that our God gives to us to see the role that we have in that plan of salvation, that our job is to be able to speak. it. God could do this in so many ways, couldn't he? He could use angels if he wanted to. And angels would love to do it. There's no doubt about it. God could use miracles to bring people to faith. Just these big displays of things in our world. that He could boom his voice from heaven if he wanted to. But what does he choose to do? He chooses to use words. Human words. Written down in a book. Read and spoken and heard. That's how God chooses to work. The only way he works. To bring people to faith. So that they can call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Maybe you've heard it said before. Um, it, it's It's been usually attributed to Francis of Assisi, an early church father, way back in the late 1100s, early 1200s, uh, that, that he once said, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Now, it sounds nice, right? And there might be a little bit of truth to it that we want our lives to reflect the gospel, don't we? We want to let our lights shine to the world, the faith in our heart. We want to show that in how we live and love and forgive. But there's two major things wrong with that statement. Number one, there's no proof that Francis of Assisi said it. In fact, if you look at his life and what he was all about, he was about preaching. There's times in his life he was preaching up to five times a day. So Francis thought words were pretty important. But also, in the end, it's just not enough. Because words are necessary. Yes, live your faith. Yes, be kind and forgiving and compassionate. Go and and, and let your light shine for Jesus into the darkness of the world. But at some point, words are necessary. We are called to preach the gospel with words. The words that we are given and entrusted with. And notice, that it's not your job to bring somebody to faith. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Your job is to simply speak that word, to be an ambassador, so that the Holy Spirit can work through that message of the good news of the gospel. You can't make somebody believe. In fact, everyone's not going to believe. Paul identifies that. He says, as he's preaching to, to, um, to the Jews, he says, not all the Israelites accepted the good news. There are going to be some who reject it. There are going to be some who say that's not for me. I don't care. I'm following something else. I don't believe any of that. That's not for us to worry about. Our job, our responsibility, our duty, and our privilege is to preach the gospel with words and to let the Holy Spirit do his mighty work. To let him worry about the results. This is the role that we have been given in the plan of salvation. To make the plan known. If we don't, how are they going to hear it? And if they don't hear it, how are they going to believe it? And if they don't believe it, how can they call on the one who we know? Words are necessary. God gives us this role and this plan of salvation. It's what we are all about. It's what the church is here for. Jesus says, Go and make disciples by baptizing and teaching. It's what we do, it's what the purpose of the church is. It's our DNA, it's what we do. It infiltrates everything that we do. It's why we exist here. Everything that we do here is about preaching the gospel. You know that? When you come to worship, you're being fed in your faith so that you can go and share your faith. When you come to a Bible class, you're growing in, in in the knowledge of God's word and all that he's done for you so that you can go and share that with somebody else. So, you can go and teach others. Even things that we do here on a Sunday morning that just seem so minor. Ways that we welcome are ways that we get to share the gospel, ways that we get to give us more opportunities to preach the good news. Everything we do as a church is to preach the gospel, to proclaim it to more and more people. And it's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the evangelism coordinator, but it is the DNA of every one of us. It is what every one of us has been called to do. That as a congregation, as a community of believers, we come together and say we have something that is just way too important to keep to ourselves. And our job is just to make it known to everyone that we can. Is everyone going to listen? No. Is everyone going to believe? No. We're called to simply preach. Teach. To make Christ known. Because friends, if we don't do it, who is? If not us, who? God has entrusted this message to us. His plan is to use us. Let us, let him use us. And, and now, you don't just do this through your church, do you? It's not just through the things that we do here at Heritage. But, but this is the call that every one of us has been given. And, and you get to do it. You have opportunities to do it every single day in your home, to your family. As you open up a devotion book with your small children, you get to preach the gospel to them with words. They get to hear about their Savior Jesus and grow in their faith so they can live their faith at school and everywhere else. You get to do it with your grown children. Maybe, Maybe they don't come to church very much. Maybe they're not in the word of God. You get to preach the gospel to them to point them back to their Savior Jesus and what's really important in this life. You get to do it in your jobs, in your neighborhood, wherever you go, wherever you are. This is what you get to do. You get this role in the plan of salvation. God wants to use you. And, and I know there, there'll be excuses. There'll be excuses like, I just, I'm not equipped. It's just not my thing. Someone else can do it. I'm I'm afraid to say something. And if that's the case, we got something for you here at church too. (laughs) Because a big part of our ministry is encouraging you and equipping you how to talk to somebody else about your faith. We've got workshops all throughout the year to to train you how to do that, how to talk about your faith personally. And and even, even if you still... You're still afraid, and you still don't know what to say. You know what every one of you can say? Will you come to church with me? Who can't do that? Who can't invite somebody else to just come to a Sunday morning service? Would you come with me? Or would you come to a Bible class with me at my church? You can do that. I have no doubt about it. A way that you get to share the gospel. A way that you get to give somebody else the opportunity to hear that word of God and for the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts so that they can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. It's what we get to do. It's what we're here for. Every single one of us. Is it okay to have some fear? Yeah, it is. You should have a little fear in you, because, I mean, you're sharing something that is eternally important. This is not, as we talked about in the children's message, not just like sharing a baby announcement or a a marriage announcement. This is something far greater, far better, with eternal implications. Might there be a little bit of fear there in doing that? Maybe. But at the same time, how can there not be joy and excitement? how can I keep this news to myself? I get to talk about something that really matters forever. I get to talk about something and share something that changes someone's eternal destination. How can I not share that? And if you ever wonder, why me? If you ever wonder, why not somebody else? If you ever think that, well, Paul must be referring to the pastors here, or church leaders, then consider this. Who better? Who better to share the message than broken sinners who know the grace of God? Who better? To know what you were, but what you are now. Who better than, than someone who knows that they can't, by all of their efforts, earn God's love and forgiveness in heaven, but who has come to know the gospel that says it's done. You've experienced that. You know that. Who better can God use than you to do it? Friends, it's amazing that you are sitting here today. It really is. Nothing short of a miracle. That that God worked through all of these things in your life to bring you to faith. And to keep you in that faith. And that you still are desiring to grow in that faith. That's why you're here this morning. It's nothing short of amazing. But how amazing that now God wants to use you. Through the work of our church as we gather together to proclaim the gospel as a congregation, to our community and to the world. And as you go into your mission fields, as you go into your homes, into your workplaces, into your neighborhoods, how amazing that God wants to use you. You. God, give you the strength, the desire, and the ability to preach the gospel.